Welcome to the Life Church of Kansas City podcast. Please consider following, sharing, and supporting by giving at tlckcmo.com. May you be blessed by the word of God. Thank you, but I feel like I'm in church today. Amen. I have felt the presence of God very strong in my heart. I don't know what God does to you when you feel his presence, but I'm just a, I'm a crybaby. When I feel the Spirit of God, I can't hold back the tears because I feel unworthy to receive his presence, and I don't think there's anything wrong with grown men crying in church. Amen. There's nothing wrong with that. And, uh, in fact... I've often said that I like to see people come under the power of God. Amen. I like to see people come under the power of God and the presence of God. I like it when God moves on me and I'm in his presence and, and we need it so very much. I want to turn your attention to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And uh, this year we're dedicating to being in covenant with God. And uh, I really hesitated whether I should do this or not, but I'm going to do it. I'm not going to embarrass anybody, but I just got to brag on Jesus and tell you that I and my wife and family have a whole row of guests here today. Would you welcome my guests? I'm just going to have Pete raise his hand. Just raise your hand. That's my row right there. That's my row. <laughs> Praise God. We're having Bible studies and and uh, this is the Olson and the Hauser families, and we're blessed to have them. And uh, I'm just honored, honored to have them here today. We spend Wednesday nights, about an hour each Wednesday night, looking to the scriptures. And I've been teasing them. I said, now, when you come to church, you better wear your crash helmet and fasten your seatbelt. I'm glad they didn't embarrass me in coming here with crash helmets on. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Verse 19, the Apostle Paul said, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own? Turn to somebody and say, You don't even belong to you. That's right. You belong to somebody else. Paul said, You're not your own. Am I in the book? Verse 20. For you are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Amen. We belong to the Lord. I said we belong to the Lord. And in keeping with our theme this year in covenant with God, I want to speak to you for a few minutes on this subject in covenant with the temple of God. God wants us to walk with him in covenant as temples of his presence. That's what Paul said. He said, you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. Everybody say Holy Ghost. What kind of a ghost? We could say spirit, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a Holy Spirit. 
And God said, be holy, for I am holy. And so we want to talk to you about walking in covenant as the temple of God, and you may be seated, and God bless you for standing in honor of his word. Paul makes several sobering statements in these two short scriptures. In fact, some of the most sobering scriptures in all the Bible. These scriptures are pointed to the believer. There's no mistake about who Paul is addressing, who he's talking to. The first incredible statement he says is, your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Everybody say the temple. Amen. Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. As beautiful as this building is here today, this building is not the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit does not dwell in temples made with hands, like Missionary Richardson was talking to us about. He said that people had built idols unto their gods. These Hindu people had built idols unto their god. And while the Spirit-filled people who realized that their bodies were the temple were worshiping God, God was knocking their idols over. And there's Bible for that. That happened when uh, the Ark of the Covenant was beside the, uh, the, the demon idol named Dagon. And Dagon fell over beside the presence of God. And the priest came in the next morning and said, well, somebody must have brushed up against Dagon. Sorry about that, Dagon, buddy. And he set him back up. And the next morning he came back, and not only was Dagon falling over, but his hands and, I think, head had broke off. And God was communicating a message. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, mind, soul, and strength. Amen. So God doesn't dwell in temples made with hands, but he dwells in the temple of the heart. The temple of the heart. And to really understand this, you've got to understand the Old Testament when God had directed Moses to build a tabernacle, or we might say a temple. The Bible called it a tabernacle. It was a place where man could find God. It had a seven-foot-high fence all the way around it, and inside there were some pieces of furniture, each representing a certain aspect of, of worship and observation and obedience to the Word of God. The first thing was called the brazen altar. It was a place where an animal was killed and the blood was shed. And God was teaching that the innocent would have to die for the guilty. And the animal's blood was kept in a, in a, in a cauldron of some kind. And, and then the priest would go to the laver of water, which was made out of reflective brass. And he would wash himself, which is a type of New Testament uh, baptism in the name of Jesus. And and then he went into a place called the Holy Place, which was a covered area. It was covered with badger skins, and outside it was not attractive, but inside it was very beautiful. And there were linens of purple and scarlet and white. And, and inside there was a, a golden candlestick, and, and uh, there was a table that had showbread, which was unleavened bread that the priest could eat, which is a type of the Word of God. And then before, in between these two pieces, there was what was called the Ark, or rather the Altar of Incense which was a type of worship. And the, the priest would take the fire from the brazen altar and he would bring the blood and he would put the fire to the, the altar of incense and the incense would purify the stench from the smoldering flesh of the brazen altar and it would be acceptable to God. And then with trembling, the priest would step behind what was called the veil. 
The veil was some 30 feet high, as wide as 60 feet across. It was thick as the width of a man's hand. And he would fearfully step behind that veil with that bowl of blood, just hoping that God would accept the sacrifice. And then he would carefully tiptoe back into what the Bible calls the holy of holies or the holiest of all. Oh, friend, that priest dare not disobey or disregard any aspect of that plan of God because he was going into the temple of God. It was a holy place. And I want you to know today that uh, in our new church there at View High Drive, we're not going to build a replica of the tabernacle. We're not going to have a brazen altar there or, or a table of showbread or a golden candlestick. And the reason we're not going to is because God has changed addresses. He has relocated the Holy of Holies. Amen. It's not in Rome. It's not in Salt Lake City. It's not in Gutenberg, Germany. Amen. It's not in St. Louis, Missouri. God has relocated the Holy of Holies into temples not made with hands, but in the temple of the heart. What am I saying? I'm saying that God has relocated His holiness, His purity, His righteousness, His power, His authority. Amen. Everything that was in that temple, God has relocated into your heart. In fact, when Jesus died on the cross and He uttered those famous words, it is finished. At that moment, the Bible says that the veil that was 60 feet wide, 30 feet high, as thick as the width of a man's hand, you couldn't walk up and tear it like toilet paper, friend. You had to be a he-man to tear that veil apart. And it was torn from the top to the bottom. And God was saying, I'm wiping this out. I'm fulfilling this. I've got a better plan. I'm relocating. I've changed my address. I'm coming to live inside of people that will open their hearts, that will love me, that will serve me with all of their heart, mind, soul, and strength. Oh, hallelujah. He's relocated. He's relocated. And our bodies are not our own. We are the temple. Everybody say, I am the temple. I am the temple of the Holy Ghost. We now are the holy of holies. I don't know what that does to you when you hear that, but what it does to me is it gives me a, a sense of how awesome God is and, and how I don't want to do anything. I don't want to participate in anything. I don't want to say anything that would violate, that would, that, that would transgress, that would uh, somehow bring a mark into that holy of holies. Now the second awesome statement that Paul made, first thing was he said, your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Then he said, you are not your own. You are not your own. That's pretty plain. You're not your own. I looked it up in the Greek. It means you're not your own. I realize that's deep and powerful, but it means what it says, and it says what it means. There's no hidden meaning there. We are bought with a price. We are not our own. When you give your, let me, let me put it to you this way. You are twice, you twice belong to God. He created you. 
He's your creator. He owns you by the virtue of the fact that he created you. Listen, your parents may not have wanted you, but God wanted you. Oh, hallelujah. You may not have been planned. You may not have been in anybody's mind, but I'm going to tell you, you were in somebody's mind because the psalmist said in Psalm 139, before I was wrought, Curiously in the lower parts of the earth uh, before there was none of my members when there was only my DNA when I was imperfect and I was formless God knew my members he knew what color of hair I was going to have he knew if I was going to be 6 foot 5 or 4 foot 3 he knew if I was going to have a crook in my nose uh, and a dimple in my chin uh, he knew everything about me he prescribed it, he ascribed it, he desired it God knew who you were he wanted you here maybe life said uh, we don't care if you come or not but God wanted you here. God doesn't make mistakes and God doesn't make junk. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You're fearfully made. God doesn't make mistakes. We are brought with a price. I, I heard the story years ago about a little boy who was so proud. He'd made him a little sailboat and he'd gotten his dad's wood area and he got some wood together and he got him a little sail and a little mast and and he was so proud he took it down to the creek and and he put the sailboat in the water and there it went on down the creek and all of a sudden he forgot he thought oh that's my sailboat i better go after it but the the water was too swift and the wind was too strong and the sailboat got away from him and so he went back home and he was all discouraged and all forlorn and his father and mother said, what's wrong? He said, that sailboat I made, it slipped away and I don't know what happened to it. They said, well, we'll make another one. He said, no, there's not going to be another one like that one. So a few days later, he was walking down the street, came up on a, on a storefront pawn shop and right in the window was his sailboat. And so he walked in there. He said, sir, I think uh, I need to talk to you. You've got my sailboat in your window. He said, oh, I'm sorry, that's my boat. He said, no, I made it. He said, oh, no, no, no. Someone brought that in here. I, I paid good money for that. I own that. He said, how much do you want for it? He said, I want $2.50. He looked in his pocket, didn't have any money. He said, I'll be right back. He ran back home. He looked in his shoebox. He looked in his wallet. He looked under the couch and the chairs and, and all the, the sofa seats that he could find. And he scraped up $2.50. He walked back in there proud as a peacock. He slammed it down on the table. The pawn owner gave him the sailboat. And he walked out of there saying, oh, sailboat, I own you twice now. I made you the first time, but I bought you the second time. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. God made us the first time. He owns us by virtue of the fact I owe something to God because he's my creator. Listen, no wonder the Bible calls that man in the scripture the rich fool who said, oh soul, sit back and take your ease. You have much goods laid up in store. And the Lord spoke to him that night and said, you're a fool because this night those things shall be required of you. And then who will they belong to? Why was he a fool? He was a fool because he didn't honor God. He was a fool because he didn't have a conscious thought that it was God that gave him wisdom to be a farmer. It was God that gave him wisdom how to rotate the crops and how to till the soil and how to plant the seed. It was God that gave him strength in his arm to work the plow. And it was God that put oxen and horse in his barn so that he could have the strength to plow out the corn. Amen. He was a fool because he didn't realize that he was denying his creator of access to his creation. We've all been created by God. 
We've all been made by God. But better than that, he went to a hill called Golgotha. He climbed up a hill with a hundred pound patabulum called a cross on his back. He was whipped. He was beaten. His face was spit upon. The hairs of his beard were ripped out. His back was bleeding. There wasn't an ounce of, of uh, there wasn't a square inch of skin left on his back. Some even suggest that his back was so opened up that you could literally look through his rib cage and see the, the vital organs of his body. And in that anguish and suffering, he carried a cross and he was nailed to that cross. Hallelujah. For you and for me. And he hung on that cross and he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Listen, when Jesus, when the blood flowed out of seven fountains in his body, he didn't spill that blood, friend. It's not like he knocked over the water jug and all of a sudden it spilled out. Oh no, the Bible said without the shedding of blood, that blood dripped out one precious priceless drop at a time. It came out of his body. It wasn't spilled, but it was carefully, calculatedly shed. And when he shed that blood, he purchased your salvation he died on the cross so that you could be saved so that you could sit together in heavenly places today with the Lord he made us and he owns us but then he paid the most horrible price that's ever been paid the most horrible price that's ever been paid so he owns us twice you are bought with a price he said you're not your own you're not your own. That's why our theme this year is in covenant with God. In covenant with God. Listen, friends. Jesus is worthy of your life. He's worthy of your time. He's worthy of your passion. He's worthy of your words. He's worthy of anything that you can give him. We're in covenant with God. In covenant with our calendars. Everybody say our calendars. Amen. You say you're scheduling time with God. If you don't, somebody's going to take it up. If you don't set your calendar, somebody's going to set it for you. We're in covenant with our checkbooks. I'll be talking about that later down the road. We're in covenant with our families. Amen. Amen. I want to see the hands of our families that on the first two Sundays of the year you've had family devotion. You've had family altar. Come on, raise up your hand. Awesome. Awesome. Brother Sanders, I think I'm going to make a declaration. We're declaring moratorium and we're going to allow everybody that's behind you can get caught up. This is a grace church. We're giving absolution and forgiveness for anybody that's missed a couple of Sundays. This will be it. Going on sale today. Don't miss it. We want to see families of honor that are spending one night a week in family devotion for about five or ten minutes. Something that all of us can do. If you don't have a family devotion book, see our administrative pastor, Tim Sanders, after the service today, and we'll make, make arrangements for you to get one. We're in covenant with our families. We're in covenant with our land. Hallelujah. How many is ready to go to the new property? Are you ready to go? Come on, anybody excited about your new church? Praise God. It's coming up. It's coming up. It's amazing, it's amazing, it's amazing to think that we...
cast this vision two years before we even knew where we were going. And we got excited about it then. And now the building's coming up. Don't lose your zeal, your excitement, because we're seeing it before our very eyes. And finally, we're in covenant with our community. We want to penetrate our community. We want to serve the needs of our community. Whatever it takes, we want to be there to meet needs and to touch lives. Can you say amen? amen. So in covenant with the temple of God. Now let me make this application very practical and then when I get to the end of this message, I want to share with you a very powerful concept in the word of God if you will employ it in your life, it will change you. It will change your life. It will change the life of people around you. It will change the environment that you live in, that you work in. Amen. Because it's in the Word of God. I'm going to get to it in just a minute. We are in covenant with the temple of God. And let me talk to you about some practical things. First of all, you remember the old children's Sunday school song, Oh, be careful, little eyes. Remember that? Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Be careful, little eyes, what you see. For the Father up above is looking down in love. I'm so glad my Sunday school teacher taught me that. She didn't say, For the Father up above is looking down in judgment and wrath and condemnation. He's looking down in love. So be careful, little eyes, what you see. Psalm 101, verse 1 says, I will sing of the mercy and justice to you, O Lord. I will sing praises. I will behave wisely in a perfect way. O when will you come to me? I will walk within my house with a perfect heart. Are you listening to me? I will walk within my house. My house. I'm going to walk in my house. Not just the house of God. I'm going to walk in my house with a perfect heart. There's not going to be anything in my house. There's not going to be anything in my home that's going to condemn me, that's going to judge me, that, that's going to make me feel like my head is hung down when I come into the house of God. I, I'm going to walk in my house with a perfect heart. Verse 3, I will set nothing wicked before my eyes. I will set nothing wicked before my eyes. I hate the works of those who fall away. He didn't say, I hate the people that do those works. He said, I hate their works. What they do. The sins that they commit. He said, I'm not going to let it cling to me. I remember uh, Kenny Cantrell one time over at the old church when we had Sunday morning and Sunday evening services and, and we had a prayer meeting before the service and we were kind of walking down the hall in a hurry to get into the prayer room. He said, Pastor, I can't wait to get in there and pray all the world off me. He said, I just need a shower. I need to get the crust of the world off me. How many's ever felt like that? Amen. Sometimes you just, you walk in it and you live in it and you hear the language and the attitudes and the stories of people and we don't condemn them, but, but, uh, but it's a world that we have to walk in. But there comes a time when you just need that washing. Hallelujah. Praise God. Somebody here today, if you need a washing, I want you to know there are some 
powerful things that can wash you today, not the least of which is the word of God. The Bible says we are washed by the water, by his word, amen. We are washed by the blood of Jesus Christ. We are washed continually by the waters of baptism, hallelujah, in the name of Jesus. Am I talking to anybody here today that knows the power and the cleansing and the refreshing of the washing of God? Oh, hallelujah. Amen. He said, a perverse heart, verse 4, shall depart from me. I will not know wickedness. Whoever secretly slanders his neighbor, him I will destroy. The one who has a haughty look and a proud heart, him I will not endure. So we make a covenant with our eyes. A covenant with our eyes. I, my dad told me a story about a young man. I was so jealous of him, with, not with an evil jealousy, but with a godly jealousy. Because he said that this young man, he was handicapped. He was physically handicapped. In fact, he died an early death because of his handicap, but not before he, uh, he knew the Lord and had been born again of the water and the Spirit. But my dad was so impressed with this young man. He had met him in some travel that he had taken. And when he would wake up in the morning, when he would realize his body was waking up, he wouldn't open his eyes until he reached out on the bedstand and he found the Bible. And then he'd open up the Bible. And then he'd open his eyes because he wanted the first thing that he saw every morning to be the scriptures, to be the word of God. How precious, how precious the word of God. We dare not sell out our eyes. Let me talk to our men here today. Men, I want you to make a covenant with your eyes today. You make a covenant with your eyes. Our men are visual. We live in a world that is seducive. It is subversive it is pervasive we live in a world we've got ipods we got computers there's television there's there's video there's all kinds of opportunities even billboards and and just live people walking down the street my pastor told me when i was a teenager he said he told us young men he said you need to learn how to look a woman in the face amen praise god make a covenant i told you this is going to be practical Oh, I'm doing a good job today. <laughs> Hallelujah. Make a covenant with your eyes. He said, why then should I look upon a woman or a young maiden? Or one translation said, why then should I look at a woman with lust in my heart? Praise God. Amen. We, listen, the church needs to be a refuge. The church is this world's only hope. And we need men that will be men of God. Not men of the culture, not men that will bow down, not men that will fill their eyes with, with all kinds of vile, vulgar things. Because the, Jesus told us that our eye is the window of the body. And if our eye is full of darkness, our whole body becomes full of darkness. But if our eye is full of light, then our whole body is full of light. Praise God. So we make a covenant with our eye. And ladies, I'm going to tell you something. There... I would have never believed it, but I've, I've, I've read something about it, that women more and more, and I know this is practical and it's plain, but more and more women are being attracted to pornography. And so this isn't just for the men. We need to make a covenant with our eyes, that we have eyes only for our mates. And if you're not married, then don't be unfaithful before you're married to, to the one that God's going to put in your life. Amen. Be faithful. Blessed. The Bible says, is the man, and I'm reading now from Psalm 1-1. I talked about 
uh, having covenant with our eyes. And secondly, let's be in covenant with our ears. Our body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Let's be in covenant with our ears. Psalm 1-1, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Why don't you make a covenant with your ears today? Say, you know what? Ears? Oh, be careful, little ears. What you hear? How many realize that what we hear has an effect on us? It's powerful. And how many realize that many things that we hear is not even the truth? First gotten to, first believed. You ever heard that? It may not even be the truth. Protect your ears. Don't sit in the seat of the scornful. Don't sit in the seat. Of the... That means that's, that's a picture of, of a man sitting in a chair and there's another man standing over him and he's just, he's just spewing all kinds of scorn and vile and filth and junk about people. And let me tell you about so-and-so. And let me tell you about so-and-so. Don't sit in the seat of the scornful. Don't continually place yourself in an environment where people are going to tear down other people. Say, well, what do I do about it? Well, you got one of two choices. You either look back at them and you say, would you be quiet in Jesus' name? And if they don't understand that language, then say, well, you just shut up in Jesus' name. And if they don't understand that, then just shoot them in Jesus' name. No, don't, don't do that. Don't do that. That's a little radical. But the second thing you can do is get up. Don't sit in the seat of the scornful. Do you know that it was the voice of the scorner that kept the children of Israel out of their promised land and made them walk in a wilderness for 40 years? It was the lie. It was not the report of the Lord. Only Joshua and Caleb came back and said, we believe the report of the Lord. Yes, there's giants and there's problems, but we can take this land. Oh, friend, don't sit there and, lay, and let somebody destroy your faith. Don't let somebody tear down your confidence in God. Don't let somebody wipe out your confidence in the ministry or your faith in the church of the living God. I want to tell you somewhere, there are good people that love God. There are good people that love the Bible, that love the scriptures. They may not be perfect, but they're doing their very best. Don't sit there and listen to somebody tear down what God calls precious. Make a covenant with your ears. I'm not going to listen to that gossip. There's going to be more people go to hell over a phone than, than, than about anything else I can think of. Everybody all right out there? Amen. Don't listen to it. Don't listen to it. Amen. Be careful, little ears. Make a covenant with your ears. Be careful of the music that you're listening to. Amen. So much, so much of, of the music that, that young people are attracted to are send messages, blatant, strong messages of, 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 about sex and about violence and about rape and about killing and destruction. We live in a culture of death. It's no wonder that our teenagers, the third leading cause of death among teenagers in America, the most blessed nation of the world is suicide. And these propagators of these messages, we need to be careful, protect our ears and what we're listening to. You say, well, what do we put in our ear? It's very simple, Isaiah 28, 23. Give ear and hear my voice. Listen and hear my speech, says the Lord. 
Incline your ear to the voice of God. Hear the voice of God. You say, well, I've never heard the voice of God. Well, have you ever listened for it? You say, well, how often does he speak? Let me let, me let the Bible answer that. Revelation 3, 21. The Lord said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. And the verb there means constantly knocking. Behold, I stand at the door and I'm constantly knocking. And seven times in the book of Revelation, the Lord said, He that hath an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Oh, listen, friend, you can't hear the voice of God if you're tuned to a frequency that he's not speaking to. And sometimes it takes a little while for your spirit to get quiet and to get sensitive and get tuned in to the frequency upon which the Lord is speaking and communicating. He's constantly knocking. He's talking today. He's talking today. He's knocking on the door of your heart today. He wants to speak to you today. He has a word for you today. Listen to the voice of the Lord. And finally, let us make a covenant with our mouths. Oh, be careful, little mouth, what you say. Ephesians 4, I want you to look at it with me if you take a minute. Ephesians 4, 25. Therefore, put away lying. Everybody say lying. Man, I'm really practical today, aren't I? That's the German coming out in me. Amen. Put away lying. There's nothing wrong with the truth. Nothing wrong with the truth. Just tell the truth. You know that one of the things that God hates is lying. He named six. He says, yea, seven do I hate our abomination. Lying, feet that are, that are swift to shed, or hands that are swift to shed innocent blood. Bearing false witness. You know, there's a lot of things that, that I can deal with with my kids, but one of the things I can't take is lying. Oh, don't lie to me. Don't lie to me. I remember when one of my children, one of my four unnamed children, three out of the four are here today, when they lied to me for the first time, oh, oh it broke my heart. I said, you sly devil. Not to my child. In my spirit, I said, oh, you dirty devil. How could you come in my house the child was only about four I'll tell you what happened it was the old don't get a cookie out of the cookie jar I know this is real deep for some of us here today but I said did you get a cookie when your mother told you not to get a cookie and that it was an Oreo And, and, and the child didn't get to the milk yet. Did you get an Oreo? I 
I didn't have to operate in the gifts right there to figure out. Oh. Oh, that hurt. That hurt. You know what? Lying hurts God. It hurts our Heavenly Father. He said, I am the way, the truth. The truth is His nature. The truth is a person. The person of Jesus Christ. Put away lying. Ephesians 4.25, Let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down in your wrath. That's good advice for all the married couples here today. Let all the, do not let the sun go down on your wrath. If you get a little fallout going on in the marriage, settle the account before the sun goes down. In fact, you'll find out that making up is a lot of fun. In fact, it's so much fun, sometimes I just start a fight with my wife once in a while just so we can make up. No, that's not true. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Praise God. Keep your account short, he said. Now look at verse 27. Here it is. Don't give a place to the devil. Don't give him a place. Hallelujah. Let's kick the devil out. Hallelujah. Don't give him a place in your car. Don't give him a place in your CD player. Don't give him a place in your television. Don't give him a place in your video. Don't give him a place in your house. Don't give him a place. Don't give him a space. Make it hard for the devil to find a foothold. He won't quit trying, but don't give him a place. Wipe him out. Amen. Praise God. Don't give a place to the devil. Verse 28. Let him that stole steal no more. But rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who is in need. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. But what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking be put away from you with all malice be kind to one another tender hearted forgiving one another even as God in Christ forgave you isn't that good praise God we make a covenant our bodies are the temples of the Holy Ghost we covenant with our mouths we covenant with our ears we covenant with our eyes we are the temples of the Holy Ghost can you say amen I want to take this idea of covenanting with our mouth just a little bit further, and I bring this message to a close today. You've been such a great congregation to talk to. But I, I want to impart something that, that God is speaking to me, and I can't get away from it. And some of these things I've more, more than likely have shared with you in the past. But, but I want to tell you, friend, that a born-again child of God has power in their life. And that power can be demonstrated in many ways. But one of the ways that it for sure can be demonstrated is when we open our mouth. That's why we have to guard our hearts with all diligence, the Bible says. For out of our heart comes the issues or flows the issues of life. Out of our heart... The Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Have, has something shot out of your mouth and it kind of 
disappointed you? Thank God we got 12 honest people here today. Hallelujah. If you want to get my goat, just cut me off on the freeway. We'll get road rage right now. That's where I, honestly, that's where I fight one of my biggest battles. I got it honest. My dad was the most impatient driver in the history of the world. But I never heard him curse. My kids have never heard me curse. I get upset. Sometimes I want to. Oh, God, I better keep moving here. I'm getting convicted right now. Lord, help me. Amen. When we open our mouth and we speak, do you know that nothing happened in creation until God spoke? Nothing. It was trembling. It was waiting. In fact, the Bible said in Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void. It means it was just a just big blob, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God, what? Moved. The Spirit of God moved on the face of the waters. Hallelujah. That word move there means to flutter, to hover. And it gives the word picture of a, a mother bird on the nest. And that mother bird stays on that nest and she incubates those eggs and she provides the perfect temperature. Have any of you seen the, the penguin thing? The penguin march thing? It's unbelievable. Unbelievable how those penguins are monogamous, the male and the female, and they partner together, and the little chick is hatched, and then the mother has to walk 70 miles to get something to eat before she dies, and the father puts that little egg underneath his, whatever he's got, paws or whatever they got. I don't know what penguins got. He hides it up there under his feathers, and he keeps it warm. It's amazing. In a hundred below windshield, and 70-some or 50-some degrees below Fahrenheit, actual temperature, and they weather storms, and they stay there, and they incubate that egg, and they stay for months, 120 days without anything to eat. Nature is serious about reproducing its young. And God is serious about reproducing spiritual things in you and I. And we are serious about seeing God intervene and do things in our lives. And when we are praying for things and we are seeking God, what are we doing? We're like the mother that's on the nest and we're incubating and we're waiting for that time of gestation to be fulfilled and we protect it from the predators and, and from the marauders and, and from those that would try to steal away the promise of God. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Does anybody here have a spiritual desire? Is there something in your life you want to see come to pass? Then let me tell you what to do. You start praying until it's conceived in your heart, and then when it's birthed, you get on that thing, you stay on it, you say it hasn't come to pass yet, but I'm going to stay right here until it breaks open. I'm going to stay right here until there's a breakthrough. I'm going to hover. I'm going to flutter. I'm going to do what I've got to do. If it takes weeks, months, years, whatever it takes, I'm going to bring this thing to fruition. 
That's what we did for two years when we didn't have church property. We passed out prayer cards. We said we want 10 acres. We don't want to give over $400,000. We want it to be in Kansas City, but we want it to be an up-and-coming area. Amen. We, we want it to be highly visible and easily accessible. And they said you can't find property, that much property for that much money in that kind of a place. And we said, oh, yes, we can. And for two years, we flooded over it. We hovered over it. Hallelujah. And not only do we have 10 acres now, but we got 43 acres. Acres, and we only gave 600000 for the whole shoot match. Hallelujah. And we stayed there and we prayed until God made a way. Oh, I already know it works. I already know it works. You stay there. You stay there. But here's the thing about Genesis. Here's the thing about it. God was hovering over the face of the waters, but nothing happened until God opened his mouth. And God spoke. And I want to tell you today, as I bring this to a close, this is my third closing, that, you know, sometimes we talk to God about our problems. But I'm wondering if God's saying to somebody here today, it's time for you to start talking to your problem about your God. We talk to God about our problems. We moan and groan. I think it's time for some of us to put our prayer on location. Amen. There has to come a time when you come out of the prayer room. Amen. I know Jesus said, go into the closet and close the door, and the Heavenly Father that sees you in secret shall reward you openly. But what about getting out in the open? <sighs> Praise God. Put your prayer on location. Amen. Something happens when the child of God opens their mouth and we speak I could tell you a lot of stories today I'm running out of time but just let me tell you a couple just to show you what can happen first of all from the Bible the Bible says at the word of Elijah the heavens shut down and there was no rain and that what it says amen at the word of Elijah. Elijah opened his mouth. He said, rain, shut her down. And no rain. Praise God. I'm going to tell you one. Right here in our own church. We went to India. And I wouldn't embarrass Lee Godis for anything. But he asked if he could go and pray two weeks before we came to India for a crusade. And it had rained for 12 straight days. In this area where we were going to have a crusade, it usually didn't rain that time of the year. But C.P. Thomas, our friend from India, told me that Lee Godis went out there and he prayed. And he said, God, my pastor's coming here to preach. And Lord, stop the rain. We can't have it raining if, if we're going to have a crusade. And when it had rained for 12 days straight, by the time the sun went down the day that he prayed, the rain stopped. Praise God. Some of us are battling things. We're being tormented by things. Some of our children are involved in things. They're away from God. We need to get prayer out of the prayer room. Keep it in there when you're in there. But bring it out of the prayer room with you and start speaking some things. Amen. If, if, I'll tell you this. I don't know that I've ever shared this with this church. But there's a family in this church that called me one day and said, Pastor, there are weird things going on in our home. The shades are being moved. Pictures have fallen off the wall. One of our children saw a, a black blob underneath her chair in a bedroom. 
in this church, a family said that. Would you come up and pray with us? We came up and prayed. They were dealing with things. They went through their house. They cleared out any book. They cleared out any video. They cleared out anything that remotely resembled witchcraft or, or any kind of occult or black magic. Not that there was anything, but they went through there. We took a bottle of oil. We marched around that house and we poured the oil. And I spoke and they spoke. And we said, devil, you're not coming back here. You're not welcome here. You're not going to torment us. You're not going to keep us awake at night. And when we spoke that word of faith... There hasn't been another occurrence. There hasn't been another situation. Friend, we need to put prayer on location and speak the word of faith. We don't have to sit there and take it. That's why we've got to protect the words of our mouths. That's why the psalmist said, let the word of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O God. That's why James said that blessing and cursing cannot come out of the same fountain. You can't cuss somebody out one day and bless the Lord the next day. It doesn't work. Oh, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. Oh, God. When I open my mouth, I want it to mean something to God. When I open my mouth, when I need the sure word of prophecy, when I need an open door of utterance, oh, hallelujah. Am I talking to people that know that God's given us power to speak supernaturally? We have power to speak supernaturally. He gave us prophecy. Look it up in your Bibles, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. He gave us prophecy and tongues and interpretation of tongues. We can speak supernaturally. Why can't we speak to things? Jesus taught us that. You say, oh, you pray to a God that tells you to speak to mountains? Yeah. You pray to a God that talks to trees? Yeah. That's what he did. He spoke to a tree and he said, be withered up. I'm done with you. And then he, then he turned and the disciples came back the next day and they saw the tree was withered. And, and, and they said, Lord, look at this. And he said, have faith in God. Not faith in your faith, but have faith in God. Don't have faith in a method, but have faith in God. Praise God. Don't sit there and say, well, we did it this way and we used to do it that way. No, don't have faith in your faith. Don't have faith in your method. Don't have faith in a system. Have faith in God. Have faith in God. Somebody needs to have faith in God right now. Amen. Somebody needs to have faith in God right now. Praise God. The word, the Bible says, the word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth. That word which we speak. The word of faith. Praise God. Praise God. I want you to stand with me. My heart was so touched when Eli Hernandez, evangelist, was here a few years ago, and he talked about a, a preacher and his wife and about six kids in Mexico, and uh, they didn't have any food in the house whatsoever. The children knew it. Of course, the parents knew it. And the father said, all right, children. We're going to gather around the table. It's time for supper. They looked at him. What? Their little stomachs are growling. And uh, said, yeah, come on. It's time to eat. It's time to eat. So at the word of their father, they gathered around the table. Can't you see them? Six little hungry kids. And mom and dad and the dad, they joined hands. And dad said, now, Lord, 
we just thank you for this wonderful meal that you prepared for us. And the kids are going, Dad's a weirdo. Thank you, Lord. We give you thanks for it. This food, this bountiful blessing we're about to receive. And while they were praying, it was summertime, the windows were open, and a chicken flew in the window. That chicken didn't have a chance. I don't know if any potatoes and corn cob flew in the window too, but they had a chicken, hallelujah. Praise God. Oh, that's God. That wasn't coincidence. That wasn't a strong wind from the north. That was God. Oh, hallelujah. He spoke it by faith. That touches my heart. He spoke it by faith. And the God that did that miracle wants to do miracles in your life. He wants to provide when there seems to be no way. Amen. It's time to open our mouths and speak the thing that we want to see come to pass. Amen. Don't just talk to God about it. Yeah, you need to talk to Him about it. But speak to it. Speak to it. Amen. Speak to it. In the name of Jesus. Praise God. I want you to close your eyes with me and bow your heads. Lord Jesus, I know that you are here with us, and I thank you for empowering me to speak your word across the hearts of the people. I pray that those who need things in their life, they need direction, they need a miraculous provision, Lord, they need help, they need uh, strength from you. I pray that as the word of God has reached across their heart, that they have reached up to that thing that is for them, and that you will supply, and that you will provide, and that you will make a way, oh God. We make covenant today with you, with our eyes, with our ears, with our mouths. We will let no evil communication. Today we dedicate our mouths. We will let no evil communications proceed out of our mouth. We will not speak evil. We will not put our mouth on anybody. Lord, we will speak that thing that is good and positive and uplifting in the name of the Lord we will not listen to that thing that will destroy us we will not listen to the scorner we will not listen to the critiques we will not listen to those that say it can't be done and Lord we dedicate our eyes and we coveted our eyes today with you we will not behold that thing that would condemn us and destroy us and bring blackness into our life oh Lord we covenant today we covenant today could I have your attention here for a moment? I want to challenge somebody here today. I want you to... Do you know that when you're a child of God, when you step out of this building, you step behind enemy lines. It's a hostile world that we are living in to the sold-out Christian. When they take prayer out of the schools and the Ten Commandments off the wall of our schools and our courtrooms and we legalize murder in the room. The room is the least safe place of any child today. And when we're talking about taking uh, under God out of the Pledge of Allegiance and in God we trust off of our money, friend, it's not long they're going to be padlocking churches. Not long. It's a hostile environment. When you stand up for what's right and what's good and godly, you get made fun of. But it doesn't stop us. Praise God. God's people have always been in the minority. Someday I pray they'll be in the majority. Amen. So when you step 
out from these doors. It's a hostile environment. But I want to encourage you today. I challenge you to walk into that environment and speak to it. If there's a lot of hell going on in your office, you walk in there. I'm not saying you shout it from the mountaintop. You walk in there. Get, it, get in there early. I take authority over confusion. I take authority. This is a spiritual battle. I know it. It's not personality. It's spiritual. I take authority over every devil or every lie, every, every confusion, every distraction. Walk in there. Take a, prayer, take a prayer walk. Take a little bottle of oil with you. Just drip a drop out every once in a while. Hallelujah. <laughs> well, don't get me in trouble now. What's these oil drops doing here? Well, my pastor said that's what I'm supposed to do. I'll sue him. Amen. Walk into that school. Walk into the locker room. Walk into the office. Walk into wherever, wherever there's trouble, wherever there's confusion. God is not the author of confusion, so you know it's not of God. Speak to it. Speak to it. Praise God. I remember my brother and sister-in-law, they were newlyweds, and uh, their washer and dryer broke down. They didn't have any money to get it fixed. In fact, some guy come over and tried to fix it two or three times. It still was spilling water everywhere. My brother and I, we have not inherited the mechanical gift of fixing anything. We are empowered and gifted to break things. I have a gift of breaking things. We don't know how to fix anything. So I was there. I was 15 years old. And my brother looked at me and he said, Stan, let's, let's pray for this washer and dryer. The washer actually was causing the problem. I said, really? He said, yeah. So his wife, my sister-in-law, Linda, she laughed, she giggled, like Sarah who laughed. Mm-hmm. I still remember we went and laid hands on that washer and dryer. We said, we command you to stop messing around and making a mess. We prayed over it. We did. He said, all right, Linda, cycle it again. It was fixed. was fixed. And the Maytag man is still sitting back there on the chair because God took care of that one. Praise God. I'm not trying to be funny today. I'm just telling you that I believe what I preach. I believe it. Praise God. Amen. Be careful what you speak. Be careful what you say. There's a little, I'm, there's a little infection going around in my head right now. I'm not telling anybody I got a cold. Sister Smalley, I'm not confessing it. I don't know what I'm going to call it, but I ain't calling it a cold. That's how serious I am about this. I'm not accepting it. I'm not confessing it. In fact, I prayed this morning. I said, infection, get out of my head. I know some of you have been praying that for a long time, but I prayed it this morning. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God. Speak to it. Jesus said, speak to the mountain, and it shall be removed. Praise God. I wonder if there's anybody here today you want to enter in a covenant. Like Thank you for listening to this message. For more content, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at The Life Church KC. Reference the episode notes for more details.